All right, we got a special ending for tonight. So something special for everybody tonight at the end of the message. Um, and uh, it'll be good. It'll be good conclusion to our four weeks together. So what um, what is eternity like? What is eternity like? Well, have you ever been um, in a hurry or you, you had to get somewhere? Um. But on your way, you find yourself all of a sudden in a conversation with somebody and you're, and you're starting to witness to them. And then all of a sudden, as you're just witnessing and talking and, and you feel this moment, this feels like a divine moment. You just feel like all of a sudden the, the clock that was stressing you out or the, 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 the appointment you needed to get to that you were such in a hurry to get to, all of a sudden it no longer is there. Time doesn't feel as much as a burden anymore. And you know this moment is special and this moment is divine. And you forget about everything. And that was few minutes that you're chatting. You just forget about all the worries of the day. Has anybody ever experienced that? That's kind of what eternity is like. Where you just forget about all the worries of your day. The clock no longer was that burden. That appointment you needed to get to no longer was a concern. That's kind of what it's like. And it really, honestly, that's a heaven on earth moment. Or maybe you're lost in worship. Maybe you're at a church service that's really in the middle of revival and you're lost in the moment. And also you look back at the clock and you're like, you go, oh, we've been worshiping for an hour. I didn't even realize it. That's how you know you're experiencing a bit of heaven on earth. Time doesn't make, it's not a burden anymore on you. You're lost in the moment. You didn't feel weary from the, from the day. Everything that was such a concern no longer was. You felt lost in the presence of God. It, it's a wonderful experience, right? That's a bit of what eternity is like. So the title of my message tonight is, yes, we're talking about heaven, but specifically the title is this. It's a question Jesus is going to ask you. He's going to say, didn't you read my book? So that's my message titled tonight, Didn't You Read My Book? And what I want to do tonight is try to answer questions we all have, but really all the answers are found in the Bible, okay? So I'll encourage you to read your Bible and read your Bible, as I said last week, with a heavenly mindset, a heavenly mindset. When the Bible says that it gives you a promise about Jesus's Love or joy unspeakable, that lasts for eternity. That lasts for eternity. So have heaven on your mind when you read the Bible. Um, Okay, so first question that we'll answer is really simple, but it's a good question. It says, will I really be with Jesus after I die? I mean, think about it. Like, there's got to be millions of people up there, and there's only one Jesus. Will I ever really get to have a conversation with him? Will I really be able to maybe walk beside him as he talks about his father and how wonderful the new earth is going to be, or I don't know. Will I really be able to be with Jesus? Will I have the honor and the privilege? Didn't you read my book? Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8 says, and it'll be on the screens too, but it says, and the Lord He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. He will be 
with you. When God speaks, it's eternal. And it's a promise, and it will not change. God says, and he speaks through his son Jesus, because John tells us that he's the word. Jesus is the word. So here, Jesus is saying, he will be with you. And we know now that Jesus is omniscient and omnipresent, right? Has anybody ever heard those wonderful words that we learn as children in Sunday school? God is omnipresent. And as a kid, that, that blew my mind to learn about omnipresent, right? He's everywhere all the time. And he is good. Jesus will be everywhere all the time in, in heaven. He will be with you personally, but also with everybody else personally. He'll be exactly where he needs to be right on time at every moment because he's perfect and omnipresent. Now, does that blow everybody else's mind like it blows my mind? Yes, you will be able to, to have conversations with Jesus. You'll be able to hug Jesus. Anytime you want to be with Jesus, you'll be able to be with Jesus. Isn't that weird? And so will everybody else. So he promised you he will be with you and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Next question. What is paradise? Well, Jesus tells about it a little bit in John chapter 14, verse 3. He says this. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So paradise is a place Jesus is currently preparing for us. His disciples watched him ascend into heaven so that their hearts would be at peace, knowing where Jesus was going and what he was doing. Jesus could have just disappeared. And people just could have wondered for thousands of years, where did he go? What did he do? But what did Jesus graciously do for those, for those few people that stuck around with him and, and on that mountaintop? What did he do? He slowly ascended and disappeared behind the clouds. And he told them, I will come back in this very same way. And I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can be with me. You will be in me and I will be in you and we will be together forever. This was his promise. And, and they, as he ascended, peace, right? All that peace entered their heart as he ascended. It was a wonderful last gift that he gave to all of us. A peaceful gift like that. That's wonderful. That's why Jesus is amazing. And I love, and I love that after Jesus ascends. Now what, what happens very quickly after this, there's a, there's a story in the Bible about Stephen. Stephen, a disciple, a Christian, makes a few religious leaders upset. And what do they do? They take him out into the courtyard and they begin to stone him to death. But there's a point in the Bible where, G, where Stephen, he looks up and just shouts with ecstasy as he sees Jesus in heaven alive, which is a great, another gift that we have in the Bible proving that Jesus is alive and, and in heaven. And we'll read it, Acts 7, 55 through 56. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. So this is 
what Jesus is standing in paradise and Stephen is amazed by what he sees. So touched by the glory of Jesus and the, the sights of paradise, he's able to, with his last few words, say, Father, forgive these people. For they know not what they're doing. They cannot see beyond this world like I just did. You see? It's a wonderful what happens when you get a glimpse of heaven. And then Paul. Paul was blinded by a light, and that light spoke to him. Now, who is that light? It's Jesus, right? And that light spoke to him and showed Paul that nothing could separate us from Jesus' love. Paul says it with his very words. When I saw that light, I was told nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of Jesus. And Paul was so convinced that what he saw and felt, he gave his life to Jesus and served Jesus. So we see here a resurrected Jesus is clothed in light, so bright that it blinds Paul, his natural human eyes. And Paul being so amazed at what he sees for a few moments, but then only hears beyond the blinding, that his entire life changes. So we see here that Jesus is in paradise, but when he comes down, when he comes down and interacts with people, he his beauty and love and grace and mercy and tenderness, but also power and judgment and perfection are so moving and amazing that it will change people in an instant from a murderer to a disciple, right? So paradise, Jesus is preparing it for us. It's really just a holding tank for our souls, for us, for those souls who have accepted Jesus as their Savior simply by faith in Jesus, that he laid down his life to redeem us from the curse of sin. Jesus prepared this paradise for each of us, just as he promised he would. It is a gift of mercy and grace so that your joy one day will be made full. In paradise, you will become one with Jesus, completing the talents which he gave each of us so that we could function as a distinct member of his body. We're, we're going to be functioning as his body up there. That's what the Bible talks about. We're his body. We're his body down here on the earth, but we can only operate as a shadow or dimly, a dim light according to what the, true, the trueness of what we will be one day. We're just practicing here on earth what we will fulfill perfectly in heaven. So we all believe that we're parts of the body of Christ, right? We hear pastors preach this all the time, and they, they tell us, don't be afraid, don't be concerned if you're not a hand, you know? Not everybody's a hand, and not everybody's a foot, and some of you are an ear or an eye, and we're, we're all parts of the body. And what that is, is we get that from the Bible, because when we're in heaven, we will be a part of Jesus' body. He will be in us. We will be in him. We will move and function as he does. We will be his instruments of praise and glory. Amen? It'll be wonderful. Hard to explain, but wonderful to think about. Romans 12, 4 through 6, proves it. I told you. Didn't you read my book? That's what Jesus could tell you. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Right? That's me and you. But also, we're going to be his body. We're going to be in him. He'll be in us. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. We'll function as one, in harmony, in peace. No rebellion. Not a single negative thought. Not a moment of disbelief. And not a moment of 
hesitation, but pure, holy obedience. Amen? What else is paradise? I told you it's a place Jesus is preparing for us. But also listen to this. Paradise is a heavenly school for perfecting the saints. You must be taught how to become priests and kings in Jesus' kingdom so as to teach others to worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus will be your teacher, renewing our mind to comprehend the greatness of unsearchable riches of grace and mercy and love for all. It's in the Bible, Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. These aren't just scriptures for earth. These are scriptures meant for eternity. His word lasts forever. Amen? That's why you, you, sometimes when you read scriptures, you're like, well, I don't see that happening on the earth. Well, I'm telling you right now, it'll happen. It'll happen. And it could happen on earth with obedient children. Because that's what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to obey. And if we would only obey and believe and pray and ask and seek and knock, he'd do it for us. But few do it. Few ask. Few seek. Few knock. Few obey. Truly obey. We're always overcome by sin. We're overcome by evil at times in this world. And so we don't fully become all that we're meant to be. But we will fully become everything that we're supposed to be in heaven. Amen? He'll, he'll bring about every dream that, wasn't, that didn't happen. It will come. Every talent that you put stuffed away because you were too scared will become to fullness in heaven. And you will do it for your God, for God, to give him glory. So I'll read it again. Ephesians 4, 12 through 13. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Mark 6:34. It's on the screens. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus is a teacher on earth, and of course, right? Praise the Lord. He's going to teach us so many more things in heaven, right? Isn't that great? So here's another question you might ask, but the answer is in the book. But here's another question. Will I have my own place just for my own personal particular enjoyment? Really? Will I really? You know? Yes. The answer is absolutely yes. Jesus has gone ahead and he's preparing a place for us. Now listen. This is a place fit for providing the abundant joys and fulfilled dreams and talents of each of his children as a new creature, as a spirit, as a brand new creature. Each person is unlike any other, except that Jesus is in each of us, right? He's perfecting, teaching, and sanctifying us. Each of your personal places in heaven will reflect the perfection of the purposes and promises for which Jesus prepares for you. That's the best way to explain it. And it's really the only way I think I can explain it. And there are many verses, and too too many to read, but I'm going to give you some references, and you can look them up for yourself, that prove that. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 15. You can write these down. You can look them up um, later. 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 15. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, John 17, 21. I'm sorry if I'm going too fast. And 1 Corinthians 7, 7. 
So will I really have my own personal place for my own personal particular enjoyment? Well, heaven is large, (laughs) huge, right? With unlimited space for each one's paradise. A place of your own. Jesus has limitless plans for heaven. What do I mean? How, could that, how is that possible? He lives in eternity. He lives in limitlessness. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The Bible tells us that. His plans are not our plans. We have limited plans, don't we? He has limitless plans for heaven. Jesus thinks of paradise. It's his sheepfold. He is the gate. The Bible tells us that in John chapter 10, verse 9. Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. Now, we all believe, right, that, oh, yes, when I gave my life to Jesus, how many people believed that good pastures opened up to them in this world and in this life when they gave their life to Jesus? Raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Sure, troubles came, right? But I feel as if good pastures have opened up to me. But it's true for eternity, His word never ends. It's eternal. So when you read that word, oh, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. That's eternal. Okay? Right? Paradise is fashioned by Jesus for you. Paradise is what you could not fashion for yourself here on earth. So Jesus made it for you because he loves you. All of your unanswered prayers, forgotten dreams, according to his will, are fashioned by Jesus for you in paradise. He promised you he would do it. Isaiah 64, verse 4. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. Who works for those who wait for him. He's working. He's doing stuff for you. It's crazy. It's how much he loves you. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 4, verse 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Jesus has a, There's a story in the Bible of Jesus. Uh, there's many people in the room. And it's crowded and it's packed and there's a, a, a crippled man on a, on a bed and his friends can't get him to Jesus. But they just think, oh, if I could just get my friend who's crippled to Jesus, I know Jesus can heal him. And so they're so desperate and they're, they're, they must have been a bunch of college kids. Is this just a college kid move? They just start cutting a hole in the, in the roof of this building, right? That's such college guys right there, right? They're like, ah, just forget it. Put a hole in the wall. We'll jump out, you know? But uh, you know, they, they, they lower this guy down. But what does Jesus do for him? When they lower him down, he, 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 what does he do? He forgives his sins. He doesn't even address the healing. And Jesus says, what's it, what's it easier for me to do? Forgive his sins or heal him? Healing is easier. Because healing in this world is only for a time. But it ends. But what is Jesus doing when he forgives him of his sin? He's saying to him, I'm going to take care of you for eternity. So Jesus says, what's easier for me to do? Take care of him for eternity or to heal him for a short period of time in this world? 
it's easier for him to heal him for a short period of time in this world. But Jesus doesn't address that temporary, temporary request. And we all have most, most of us have just temporary requests. And Jesus is saying, I'm more concerned about your eternity. And not only that, I'm going to take care of you for eternity. Okay? So it's a wonderful, God, Jesus is going to take care of us for eternity. We'll no longer worry about absolutely anything. We'll be totally taken care of. And so I know that we long for healings and we long to be made whole and, and made new. But because of sin, we will die. But Jesus has not left us there to just die and be forgotten about. He cares way more than that. He cares for us for eternity. He takes care of us for eternity like a wonderful father would. So the best part of paradise is being with Jesus. I know you're excited about your mansion or your, the beautiful stuff, but really the best part is being with Jesus because in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, listen to this. This is Paul. He says, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Amen? So that was answering the question, will I have my own personal place just for my own personal particular enjoyment? Absolutely. Here's another question I can answer for you. Will the new earth be as good as the third heaven? Absolutely, yes. The new earth will be even better. And I'll answer that question for you. And one of the reasons is because when Jesus returns, we will return with him. And that's the day that we all long to not only see, but be a part of. Am I right? That's, that's the greatest day in history. So all of heaven right now waits in expectation and anticipation for Jesus' return. All of earth, those of his children, those who call him by name and know his voice, right? We're his children. We long for the day of Jesus' return. So when Jesus returns, it's the day that not only heaven and earth long for and want so badly, the new earth will be so wonder is so wonderfully anticipated for, it'll be the greatest day in all of history. We will be a part of it. We will come with him when he returns. Amen? And we, there will be such shouts and applause from heaven, it will shake the earth. No man will deny Jesus' return. It will shake the earth. It's going to be a long-awaited day. And it, this is why it's even better. It's even better. It's because when you die, who, nobody knows what happened to you. It's, a, it's just a mystery. And you can't scream from heaven, you got to just believe, right? You, you can't communicate from there to here. You can't, it, and, and so, but when Jesus returns, we'll shout from heaven, you should have believed. And those who are here on this earth who did believe will rise victorious, knowing that all the people who mocked them, ridiculed them, persecuted them, they have been proven to be, to be false and this is proved to, to be real. It'll be the greatest day ever. Amen? That's why the new earth will be so amazing. And we'll come back to Jesus, to this new earth. The saints alive on earth at the time will rise to join us and Jesus, those who have already died and went with, to be with him. And we'll all go to God. Then we will rule and reign on the new, on the new earth 
with Jesus. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. We are called and destined to rule and reign with God. A rapper recently came out with uh, the, the, the 666 shoe, Lil Nas X. He's a rapper. And part of the slogan for this, it was called Satan Shoes. Has anybody seen this? Yeah. Part of the slogan is better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. But he doesn't, understand, he doesn't know scripture. He didn't read the book. <laughs> we rule and reign with Jesus. But also, I'll be happy just to serve. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But we are destined to rule and reign in the new earth with Jesus. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be better than what paradise is right now, which is just a holding place for everybody. When Jesus returns, I mentioned this already, already, but when Jesus returns, the applause of heaven will be deafening because the day that has been long awaited is finally here. Scoffers will gaze with fear and wonder as all of heaven is watching Jesus fulfill his promise of returning. Acts 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Another question that we might have. Eternity scares me. What does timelessness mean? Is anybody a little bit unnerved by the idea of eternity? Maybe you'll get bored. How This is strange. This scares me a little bit. What does this mean? Now listen, I'll say this. Time is a burden. It's, it's, uh, the clock is a harsh master, a cruel friend. Time is a stress to us all. A heavy load to carry. Eternity is a loved gift from Jesus to his children. The clock will no longer tell you when to eat or sleep. Time will not be your master. Jesus will. God lives in eternity, which is how he is able to have thought without limit. God sees all things as having happened already before they even occur. This is how God plans all events and creation to work together for the good of the body and through the glory of God. That's why God is, this goes into God is the perfect master. He gives his children, he, well, he gives his people, you and me, free will to make any decision we want to. He doesn't force us to love him or serve him. That would be a cruel master. A cruel master says, serve me, love me, or else. Jesus, or God, loves us, but takes, takes his hands off us. He doesn't work us like a puppet. His hands are off us. We have free will to choose to love him and serve him. But even if we don't, he still works out all things for good because he's perfect master. Nobody can do that but him. Nobody can do that but him. That's why he's so amazing. That's why we love to serve him. Because we believe all things work to to the good for all those who love him. Amen? You will no longer worry about a conversation making you late. 
or too, or too long conversation. And we've all been there. Your, your work in heaven won't interfere with something else. You literally can stop and smell the roses. <laughs> you will have no need to hurry. The Bible says a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. What about loved ones who've gone on before you? And they've, they've been long gone before you. And, and, and you know you've got another 30, 40 years, and you're just going to be living a long time without them on this earth. What's it like for them in heaven? When you arrive in heaven, it will be as if they had just arrived moments before you. They're not missing you. They're not good. It's not possible. You see, when you arrive, they'll just say, it'll all be brand new to them too. Let's discover this together. See, there's a day is a thousand years. A thousand years is, is a day. Jesus is trying to tell you, don't worry about it. Time is not a something up there. How do I describe it? It's as if God's glory rolls on through the ages. I don't know how to say it. Another question you might have, will I be married in heaven? And I want to um, hurry through this one. And Well, to not be harsh about it, the answer is no. But don't let that break your heart because if marriage was so great, nobody would be getting divorced. All right? If you think your husband is so great, your wife is just, I can't believe it, I don't know. Get over that yourself. (laughs) Because we all know when when the spouse says, I'm going on a trip on the weekend, you're, oh, okay, that's fine. So let's just, let's just kind of think about this way. You won't be married in heaven, but one of the reasons is God created men and women to be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Jesus commands us to replenish the earth, not heaven. You're not going to be fruitful and multiply in heaven. We are commanded, though, in heaven to rule and reign in heaven. Okay? That's what we'll be doing. This is a different command for heaven than for earth. You will have special relationships in in heaven with the people you had special relationships with on earth. Your heavenly relationships will be better. Better. So don't don't get sad, okay? You know, don't get sad. They're going to be better in heaven, all right? So um, where am I at? Yes, your friendships will be perfected. Your family will be perfected. Your marriage will be perfected. But it won't be, and I'll say this, it won't be sexual in nature. Okay? In heaven, we're going to participate, the Bible says, we're going to participate in a better wedding. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus Christ has married the church. We are his bride. We will participate in a wedding and marriage more wonderful, far more wonderful than any earthly relationship can create. Matthew 22, verses 29 through 30. Jesus replied, this is answering the question, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like angels in heaven. God's plan for your earthly family, this is why God creates an earthly family in a marriage on the earth. It 
was your earthly family and your marriage was created to be a close-knit relationships and mirror your heavenly family. It's just supposed to mirror it. Your marriage is meant to reflect the inseparable bond of love which unites Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit and his sheep into the fold. So as you marry and stay committed and love and create that close-knit relationship here on earth with your spouse and your family, it is a mirror of what Jesus is it wants from his church. He, we are the bride. Amen? So, there you go. That answers the question. I hope that satisfies you. Um, let's see here. Last thing here. Now, your heavenly body will be like Jesus's. So let's, discuss, let's find out what Jesus's spiritual body was like after he rose. Now, you will have a body, but it will not destroy its surroundings. That's kind of a good way of saying it. You can't step on a flower and smush it. You can't scuff the grass. You can't dig your heel in and make a little hole in the grass and expose some sort of dirt or something like that. You can pluck a flower and a brand new one blooms right in its place. And when you put that flower down the ground, it grafts back in because that's scriptural to the life source and it never dies. There's no death. You can't, your body, you will have a body, but it will not destroy its surroundings. You can go through walls. You can go through a tree. You cannot kill the grass or a flower as you walk on them and you walk through them. I'll prove it to you. Luke 24 verse 31. Suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. Okay. In heaven, your body will have no need to ingest. You will have no need to digest. You'll, it will not transform any food like you think it does now. It will not have to reform cells nor process foods or waste. In heaven, there's no polluted water, nor air, nor chemical to attack the spirit body. There is not even an unclean thought to be rejected. 1 Corinthians fifteen forty four, They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. You will wear a robe of white, and you will shine just like Jesus. Everything shines like Jesus. You shine the love of Jesus, the kind of love that Jesus asked the five wise virgins to shine forth with their lamps. Shine out. Shine bright. Be ready. Shine my love. Be ready for my return. Shine bright. Get your lamps lit. Be a city on a hill that shines bright. Nobody lights a lamp and puts a cover up. You will shine bright. Everything will shine the love of Jesus, the brightness and the perfection of Jesus. That's why there's no shadow or turning. How could there be a shadow if everything is shining out perfectly? Think about that. Matthew 28, verse 3, His face shone like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. And we are like Jesus, aren't we? Matthew 17, 2, his face shone like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. Jesus is our example and he told us that we would follow him in that newness of life and we truly understand when we read about his ascension into heaven, we truly are Jesus' followers. In every aspect, we're Jesus' followers. I'll read here this last scripture and then we're going to have a special moment at the end. Romans 6, 3 through 10. It's on the screens. This is Paul. It says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, Jesus, in baptism, we joined him in his death. 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. And I want to end this four-week series with, I want to um, have everybody... I call them tokens. You're going to have a, a, a token that you're going to take home with you. And, and in this bucket are you know, rocks. Um, and maybe you were here for the first week. And I want to remind you of a quick story from the first week of a man named Brian Melvin, who was an atheist who died from drinking um, bad water. He got cholera, and he died all alone in his trailer. Um, and he floated out of his body through the, through the ceiling of his trailer, and he went through the void, and as he was going through the void, all the scriptures about God were being spoken to him and sung all around him, and to him they were mysteries of God, but as we know and study the Bible, they're not mysteries to us. They're wonderful truths of who God is. They were being told to him as he was going through the darkness, and he landed feet on the ground, standing in front of a man who was standing on a rock. And this man was Jesus. And the rock, this is, we serve the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone for all of us to live by. Amen. And he is the rock that doesn't move. And our salvation is sure and set and perfect because of the rock, the foundation that doesn't move. And we're going to play a song. This song is actually called the rock won't move. It's by vertical worship. We've sung it a few times here, but I just want you to know that Brian Melvin came face to face with the man standing on the rock and he revealed himself to Brian as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wouldn't let him into heaven because he was unsaved and he was an atheist and he was a cruel man. So Brian went to hell and he says, as he was standing on the ground of hell, the words came to him, this feels like I'm standing in miry clay. And he had never said those two words before in his entire life, but those were the words that came into his mind as he stood on the floor of hell. This feels like miry clay. And if anybody knows the scripture verse, and I do believe Isaiah, it says, he pulled me out of the miry clay and he put my feet on firm foundation. And he says, as he was standing in the miry clay and his his eternity was about to be set forever in hell. Jesus showed up and picked him up and pulled him out of there and set him on the ground by the same rock. And Jesus stood on the rock again and shared with him the wonderful truths of who he was and what he did for Brian. And so what I want to do is play this song and the words will be on the screens. And I just want you to come up and grab your rock and then go ahead and head back to your seat and then I'm going to pray over you as the song continues to go. Can we do that? All right, so grab your token. Go ahead, uh, tech team, play a song, and just really um, in a, keep it a holy moment and, and let these words encourage you as the song plays and, and take your rock and keep it somewhere special.
Let me pray over you tonight, Lord. We just thank you, Jesus, for what you've done and what you're doing. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word will last forever. That it, it even though we don't fully quite understand everything when we read the word in this life, Lord, when we think about eternity, it does tend to make a bit more sense. Oh, Lord Jesus, you are our rock. You are our firm foundation. We put all of our hope and our trust in you. You are going to take care of us for eternity. And we say thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. And we say thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. And, Lord, we pray for our loved ones who are far from knowing the rock. Jesus Christ, we pray they would come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus, we pray, Lord God, be gracious enough to hunt them down and save them, Lord God. Do whatever it takes, Lord. Do whatever it takes, God, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Yeah, put this someplace where you can see it and it remind you that your salvation is not dependent upon you, but there is a rock that doesn't move. And it'll last forever. And what he has planned for you for eternity, it will blow you away. Amen? And let people know about how wonderful Jesus is. Because many deny. And many say, just fairy tales, just stories. And it doesn't mean much to me. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. That's deception from the enemy. And many of us have came from that deception. We came from that deception. And we know now what the truth is. And I want to encourage you, let this motivate you to bring people to church and to witness to people anywhere you can and let people know how much Jesus truly loves them and wants to be with them and take care of them for eternity. All right. You're dismissed. Have a great great week. I'll see you Sunday.